Hey guys, check out Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0, brought to you by Mama Jumbo Shrimp, a fully updated second edition, reviewed and revised by an expert panel of certified Italian wine ambassadors from across the globe. The book also includes an edition by Professore Attilio Scienza, Italy's leading vine geneticist. To pick up a copy today, just head to Amazon.com or visit us at MamaJumboShrimp.com. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we will learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today I'm delighted to continue our special series that highlights the winners of the prestigious five-star wines and wines without walls competition that took place earlier this year. Over the course of two long days, and believe me, they really were long days. It was at the end of March, early April, just before Vinitali, more than 2,200 wines were tasted by an international jury of Italian winemakers, wine professionals, sommeliers, journalists, and Italian wine ambassadors. Those wines that scored more than 90 points were awarded certificates and will be included in the Five Star Wines and Wines Without Walls 2023 book while the very best wines in each category were singled out for special awards. My guest today is Annette Muller of Fattoria La Viala in Tuscany, which won a clutch of important awards in the Wines Without Walls competition, the part of five-star wines dedicated to organic, biodynamic, and sustainable wines and viticulture. La Viala scooped awards for Winery of the Year, Best Organic Sparkling, as well as best biodynamic white wine. Many congratulations, Annette, to you and to all at Fatteria La Viana. Thank you so much. <laughs> we were very excited to be able to be so present at Wine Without Walls. Well, great. Now, you said that about 10 kilometers from Arezzo. Tell us where you are and give us a picture of the estate and of the lands that you farm. Yeah, so Fattoria La Viala, as I mentioned, is about 10 kilometers from Arezzo. So we're in Tuscany and we're about 50 kilometers from Florence and another 50 from Siena. So we're right in the middle of Tuscany and we are in the Chianti region. It's not the famous Chianti classical region, but it's Chianti Colare. And we have an estate. Well, so we are farm and wine estate. So our main hub, so to speak, in Arezzo or just Arezzo in Cassion Pibocchi is about 1,600 hectares or close to 4,000 acres. And so obviously we have vineyards, but we do look to do circular agriculture, not just viticulture, since we are a biodynamic farm. So we also have vegetable patches. We have obviously olive groves. We have sheep. We have chickens, um, we do all kinds of vegetables, 
And then the other particularity is that we not only just farm and produce the things, but we also package and ship directly to the end consumer in really trying to always keep the circle closed, so to speak. Well, actually, Annette, that's really fascinating. And it's a very large estate. I'm particularly interested that it's agricultural estate, as you've explained. And it, in a way, is farming in Tuscany in the way Tuscany was during the time of the Mezzedria during the time, you know, before specialized monoculture. And I like this idea of the rotation of the fields and of producing so many other typical Tuscan products as well as wine. Yeah, so for the family, it was really important when they first started in 1978, so to speak, the founders, Juliana and Piero Locranco, it was important for them to really not only, you know, do farming, and it was organic from the beginning. I don't think they would have ever considered anything else. And then in the late 90s, we started with the biodynamic agriculture. But it was always an important aspect, and I'm glad you mentioned it, to actually not just do farming, but to also preserve the cultural heritage that is Tuscany. So it would have never occurred to them to just do one thing. Aside from the fact that, especially in biodynamics, you know, you really always look at the farm as a whole organism. So you do need all the different aspects of not just viticulture, but you also need other cultures such as olive groves, which are also very typical for the Tuscan area. But then also you need the animals for one, obviously, for the manure to activate the compost heap. But also we use them, for example, we make pecorino cheese, which is done with 100% sheep's milk. But then we also use the meat for our guests in the agriturismo. And then, of course, the vegetable patches that are important to avoid to have monocultures, but to actually, you know, the main aspect of it is to really increase not just biodiversity, but to also always keep the soil fertile. And what we found is that the more diverse a culture is within the whole aspect, the more resilient it gets. Since obviously when practicing biodynamic agriculture, there's very few things that you can do in order to intervene. And so the best aspect of it all is to keep nature in balance so nature can take care of itself. That's a fascinating story. The family must have been real pioneers going back to the origins of the farm in terms of initially setting out to farm organically. This wasn't, you know, now organic farming in Tuscany, in Italy is much more widespread. But in those days, it really wasn't. And there would have been all sorts of challenges in setting out on this path. So it's really something to admire that the family have been following this strada for such a long time. Yes, like I mentioned before, I mean, one of the, so today, Atelier La Viala is basically run in the second generation, or sometimes we also say in the third generation, because the founding generation, Juliana and Piero, they were inspired by their grandmothers, who both had farms and where both of them would spend the summers. And that was the idea then to also continue that and, and give that part of knowledge and that love for nature and for agriculture back to their children, the three brothers who are running today Fattoria La Viala. They are Gianni, Antonio, and Bandino Lofranco. And Gianni always says, the oldest, he says, why would I want to poison the land that I'm living off? And the idea that they want to leave something to their children and their children's children. And so 
it was never a question for them not to farm organically and then by logic then later also to farm biodynamically. And yes, it was difficult in the beginning, not so much in terms of, let's say, the actual work part, because of course, obviously there's always challenges, but I think challenges are just anywhere when you do agriculture or viticulture, more so that people were kind of thinking that they were a little bit strange for really being so intent on not using any kind of pesticides or not using any kind of synthetic fertilizers. In a way, it has inspired other farmers and it also has inspired other people to really see that regenerative agriculture is a possibility also on a greater or larger scale and that it can also be profitable. Yes, that's actually a very important point to remind that the challenges of farming in this way, organically, biodynamically, are of course there. But also from a consumer's point of view, going back 20, 30 years ago, certified organic wines were, as you say, alternative to traditional wines and biodynamic even more so. So it was taking on the market as well as the challenge of the land. Annette, tell us for our listeners that aren't really aware of some of the challenges of what biodynamic farming is, what it means, and what are some of the interventions that you do to farm in this manner? Okay, so as I mentioned before, so the two main aspects, I would say, or main three aspects is one, biodiversity and the fertility of the soil. And the third aspect is to really look at the farm as a whole. So that is the reason why we don't just aren't just viticultures, why we don't just make wine, but also all the other products. And it is really in trying to set up a circular economy in a way or circular agriculture. Each aspect of the farm is kind of greater than the sum in a way to put it all together. And so there's very few practices. So we obviously um, use the Artoon calendar, which means that we do see what days are good for planting, what days are good for pruning, for example. So really trying to observe that. But that is a practice that, you know, has been going on for thousands of years. And so obviously in that case, we look at today is a great day to prune the vineyard. But should it be raining on that day, obviously we will wait. But this is also how we found out that it does work because generally when we prune, for example, the vineyard at the right time, we see that it's much more vibrant than maybe the part of the vineyard that we weren't able to prune in the correct time. However, that being said, it still is that after a couple of months, it kind of levels out and it's, it's all the same again. Another aspect is that we do in the vineyards, for example, because it's quite complex on a large scale. So in the vineyards, for example, we use green manure. Obviously, we do not use any kind of synthetic fertilizers or pesticides. So everything we do is kind of a prevention. So we try to maintain the balance of the land. And that way, our plants our cultures can really take care better of themselves. And that is what we found in the past that in a way our, um, for example, our olive groves or our vineyards are much more resilient in difficult years than maybe in farms that work conventionally or just organic. And I think it is really done, it's it being is because if you give the plant you know, or the culture, somewhat perfect habitat, its immune system, for lack of a better word, is better to fend off any kind of pest. So this okay. is this is kind of in a nutshell. And then, of course, sure. we use the um, biodynamic preparations. There's two spray preparations, which are 500 and 501. 
which are cow manure that is fermented over the winter months and quartz crystal, which is fermented over the summer months and then used in spraying. The 500 preparation, for example, it being filled with microbes that are then dynamized actually help the fertility of the soil because you have to imagine that microbes on the soil then propagate and help, for example, in the vineyard that the roots go deeper and the quartz crystal horn, which is 501, helps for the photosynthesis and also for the maturation of the fruits. So this is just two, two little aspects. But I think the main thing about biodynamic agriculture really is the fact that it's a regenerative practice. Um, for example, we've been measuring over the past 25 years our soil and the fertility of our soil. And we've noticed that through these practices, actually, and the humus uh, layer, as well as the organic matter in the soil is actually increasing. And even though we are using it, and for example, in conventional agriculture, that would decrease. Italian Wine Podcast. If you think you love wine as much as we do, then give us a like and a follow anywhere you get your pods. And very timely for today, you're talking about resilience that comes through this regenerative farming. And certainly with climate change and the huge heat that Tuscany has suffered over the past years, have you found that the vines are able and other produce that you're growing is able to cope better? So, yes, obviously it's a challenge either way, but we do believe that they're coping better. However, of course, we also have to see, you know, how we can deal with the climate change that's going on, which has become very evident. And it's not just the heat, it's also the unpredictability. I think that is really what makes it the most difficult that before you you had kind of a set schedule of saying, you know, in March, the weather is like this, in April like that, and in May and June like this. And this has completely kind of changed. So, and I think it's the unpredictability that makes it so difficult to deal with the climate change in a way. So, well, we're very curious to see (laughs) how we can cope with what's going to happen. For example, this year we had a lot of rain. I mean, in the late spring, for example, in April, we had another bit of frost, which is always difficult for the vines, especially the ones that are in the valley. And then we had just lots and lots and lots and lots, which, you know, people say, oh, that's great. And in a certain aspect, yes, it's great because the water reservoirs are being replenished. But in terms of planting, in terms of the Peronostora diseases, it's not that great. But, you know, we remain flexible and hopeful. Yes, of course. Yeah. Well, you're certainly having great success. Let's talk about these wines that won the individual awards. First, your best organic sparkling. Tell us about this wine. Yeah, so as I said, we don't only have vineyards and fields in and around Cassion Pipocchi, Arrezzo, where Fattoria La Viala is based, but the families in 2010 also founded a small family foundation, the Lofranco Family Foundation, with its main aim to actually find abandoned land and agricultural land and try and lease it or sometimes buy it and then uh, use it biodynamically. And so we were very lucky to find a parcel, a vineyard in Oltrepo Pavese. Until the late 
well, the beginning, like until 1920 something, actually there you could still call the sparkling wine champagne. And so we were fortunate to meet a family who did not want to continue with their vineyard and we leased it. And that is when we started making also sparkling wines with the uh, metodo tradizionale or champagne method. And the Trentacinque, Trentacinque as it's called, which won Best Organic Sparkling, is actually from Oltrepo Pavese. And it's Pinot Nero, vinified in white, with a little bit of Chardonnay. And the reason it's called Il Trentacinque, or 35, is because it first came out when Patria La Viala turned 35 years. So it was for the anniversary. And also the fermentation in the bottle, so it's bottle fermented, is 35 months. Oh, fascinating. And that's really interesting that the family are looking to expand this method of farming, the biodynamic farming, and the philosophy and values in other lands. Something that I've noticed you have vineyards in Le Marche, also in Sicily. Yes, we also have a small vineyard in Sicily, and that is because Piero Lo Franco, the founder of Fattoria La Viala, so to speak, and father of the three brothers, he has his roots in Sicily. And so that's why we also have a small vineyard in Sicily. Also in Puglia, we have, for example, olive groves. And then in the Maremma, which still is Tuscany, but about 40 kilometers from the main hub, Fattoria La Viala, we have as well vineyards, as well as vegetable patches. Oh, fascinating. And of course, turning now to your another award, the best biodynamic white. That yes. comes from San Gimignano. Tell us yes, about this. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So in San Gimignano, we, because Giuliana, <laughs> the mother of the three brothers and founder of Patria La Viala, so to speak, she is actually from the area around San Gimignano and they still had a vineyard. And so we are able to also make Bernaccia di San Gimignano. And a few years, he decided to make also Garnacha Reserva, which is basically also does some wood. But for the vintage of 2020, we actually did something very special. We did the pressing on site, meaning we harvested the grapes and then pressed them, basically brought our press to the vineyard and then pressed the whole bunches immediately after having handpicked them. And the reason we did that is because the Vernaccia grape, even though it's not the most aromatic grape, right? And so in order to preserve most of the aroma, we decided to do it immediately, not just, you know, to avoid any kind of alteration. We decided to do it immediately in the vineyard. And I think we're very lucky or let's say that extra work of doing it basically was a success. How fascinating. So you brought the press there and the whole bunch pressing and then managed yeah. to then transport the, the yeah. mosto very quickly back to the cellar. Exactly. And so the reason why we did the whole bunch pressing is because the extraction of the juice is a lot better. It flows better, so to speak, when the stems yeah. are there. I mean, just like an easy trick, you know, you, you do it, it's easier to take a whole bunch of grapes with the stem and squish them in your hands than taking yeah. just, you know, the berries and squishing them. And when this was done, you knew this would become a reserva. Yes, our enologists and agronomists, they usually taste the berries or the grapes way before they have their schedule tasting them and then deciding what wine to make with it. If it's just the normal, we also have a vernaccia just the Vernaccia di San Gimignano or the Vernaccia di Reserva. 
And the reserva, is that vinified differently and aged differently? It's aged differently. So it's vinified differently in this case because it was vinified directly in the vineyard or pressed directly in the vineyard. Also, it was aged in wood for about a year. The must was in large tunnels, 500 liter tunnels. Okay, so that's really going back to the traditional Vernaccia di San Gimignano when the white wines were aged in wood. Yeah, and I think it's kind of interesting right now because whites that are aged slightly in wood are becoming more, I don't want to say fashionable, but like the palette right now is that people do enjoy them, you know, than the really light, fresh white wines. Obviously, those always go, but there is this new trend, whereas Wood in red wine is kind of, you know, people are less and less interested in these heavy, woody red wines. Yeah, I think you're right in that. And also, just to make clear, it's not the oak that comes from New Barrique, but uh, the larger barrels that are not giving woody flavors, but just helping in that maturation. Yeah, so we were very happy about that. And then, of course, also the fact that we won Best Winery that made our enologists or made all of us really proud because it's saying, you know, it's great if you win for a certain vintage, you know, but if you win the award for Best Winery, that means that obviously all your wines, you know, on average have such a high quality that, you know, you don't just win one award, but you win several awards and I think that's very it's just a great recognition of all the work we've been doing in the past 45 years so to speak and um, yeah so it made us proud. It is a great recognition and congratulations to everybody and I know how you know these wine competitions I was judging this year and we're tasting all 2,200 wines blind about 80 professionals were all in separate teams. But, you know, the cream really does rise to the top because this blind tasting really does identify the best wines, the best producers. So yeah. it's a great achievement. Now, you produce a whole range of wines. We haven't talked about the Chiantis you produce. I'm really fascinated by this mixed agricultural farming. And I'd like to turn to some of the foods you produce, because I think this is so important that the farm is really a, almost a self-contained community, as Tuscany used to be. And I'd yeah. like to hear about some of the foods. And I'm also particularly yeah. interested because you are able to supply wines direct to consumers but also you can supply a range of some of the foods you produce. Yes. So if you take the word fattoria, in Italian translated, it means farm and wine estate. And as you said, in the years before, farms were always self-sustained farms. They would produce everything or almost everything that they would need. And that was the idea behind fattoria la viala to go back to that, you know, being able, and sometimes we're actually amazed by ourselves that we can make entire meals and feasts with everything that we produce ourselves. And so obviously we also make olive oil, we make our own flour, so we have different kinds of grains. And then from the grains we make pasta as well as cookies, um, different kind of biscuits. Then of course we have different summer vegetables which we turn into tomato um, sauces, pesto. So we really, you know, try to kind of have the full range because with the vegetables, obviously, we also have strawberries. We do a crop rotation that lends itself. So both the grains and the vegetables always go in different fields each year because it helps the biodiversity and the fertility of the soil. Then, of course, we have sheep. 
because we make pecorino and pecorino is the cheese in Tuscany. What is special about it, obviously, aside from the fact that it's biodynamic pecorino, but it's still from 100% sheep's milk. Nowadays, a lot of people make their pecorino with either cow milk um, or half and half, um, but we remain faithful to the original recipe, so to speak and make 100% pecorino with different kind of aging. So we have in the early uh, spring, we have the very fresh pecorino, and then we have four months, 12 months. And that was really, in a way, it was genius, but it kind of happened by chance because Fattoria La Vianda in the beginning, it was an agriturismo. So people would come and we had a few farmsteads that had been renovated where people could stay. And so for the agriturismo, we actually produced, you know, the olive oil, the wine, the pecorino and some sugos. And then the guests would say, oh, this is so delicious. We would love to have that where we live. So the family, you know, thought about it. And then in the beginning, they literally would just load up a little truck and, you know, have a list of people and their addresses and what they wanted. And then they would basically drive. In this case, it was Germany, one of the first countries. And they would go door to door and deliver in person the products. And then slowly over the years, we didn't only grow the things, but transform them and then also package them and now also ship them directly to the end consumer. Amazing. And, That's incredible. Yeah. But what about going back to those agriturismo routes? What about our listeners who want to come to Fatteria La Viala? What do you offer them? Is there opportunities to enjoy these wonderful foods on the farm? To stay on yes. the farm? Yes, the agriturismo side is open usually from late March until mid-October. And so we do have different farmsteads. So when Curia La Viala started, I mean, one has to imagine that all the land were in that area, most of the farms were completely abandoned. And when Piero and Giuliana bought the first farmhouse, they realized that there were other vineyards and other houses that were on the verge of, you know, <laughs> decrepancy were available. And so they slowly bought also other parcels of land and other farmhouses. And then slowly we renovated them. And again, also in the renovation, we took great care to not lose the original farmhouse character. We really wanted to preserve the cultural heritage of that area. And um, so people can stay with us. We, we offer week-long farm stays. And then we also have the possibility for people to come and visit us just for the day. Usually people come in the morning. We offer farm tours where you can. So we have um, a transparent production area where you can see, you know, the bakery where we make the cookies. The flour mill where we make our flour, the production area, the sauce kitchen where we produce the sauces, obviously the vineyard, uh, the wine cellar, as well as the olive mill. And then people can have lunch. So we have different possibilities to have lunch at La Viela. And that is from Monday through Friday. Okay, well, that's wonderful. It's a wonderful, rich complex that I'm very much looking forward to visiting. You're producing award-winning biodynamic wines. But clearly, there's so much more. And again, it's not just a wine estate, but a complete way of life that returns to those Tuscan roots of mixed farming. So it's a really important as well as fascinating story. Annette, thank you so much for being my guest today. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you, Mark. But in the meantime, I'm also delighted to see that your products and your wines are available here in the UK. So I'm going to be, right after our conversation, getting onto your website and placing an order. 
Yes, and for those in the UK, because I know it, this has been through Brexit a little bit difficult, we always like to point out that there are no so custom duties to be paid because we have a, a warehouse in the UK and so everything is already done and the prices are without the custom duties because it has become very difficult. I mean, yes, frustratingly difficult for us, yeah. but yeah. that's very, very good to know. And that, thank you so much. Um, thank you. Mark. I hope to meet soon. I hope to visit Fattoria La Viale. But in the meantime, I hope you have a great summer, a great harvest. Thank to you. Okay. Grazie. Grazie. Arrivederci. A presto. Ciao. Ciao. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin.